0: we <laughs>
2: As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, later in the show, we will be joined by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine. Well, my highlight of the week was the fabulous finish to the PGA Tournament last Sunday evening, and I do mean evening, uh, the last major of the year, and... Uh, It was spectacular. It's the best golf I've watched in years, and the ratings reflected that. Highest ratings since 2009. Uh, We're talking Tiger time then. And I just thought the ending was spectacular with rushing to beat the darkness. The fact that Phil and Ricky... Basically, uh, you know, were gracious afterwards. I don't know what they were thinking at the time. There was reason to believe they didn't look too happy as Rory was playing through uh, and basically turning the 18th hole into a foursome. And uh, especially on the second shot, I think the tee shot was, uh, uh, Rory's tee shot on the 18th was uh, expected, but I don't think his second shot was um anyway they handled it graciously afterwards which is wonderful. But what, what I loved the most was really just the fact that, you know, Rory wanted to get it done that night and not make thousands of people come back the next day, not to mention millions on TV that would have, you know, not seen it become complete. Uh to me it just it's the way golf should be played. I mean, it was just common sense move. And, you know, they kept talking about, uh, in addition to saying uh, the iris on the CBS cameras are wide open, which they repeated over and over to make it look lighter than it was, uh, that, you know, any the Rory certainly could have just said, I, I can't see, and, uh, you know, I want to continue tomorrow, and that's it. Uh, he, he says that, and it's going to the next day. And the 18th, I mean, he nearly missed the water with his... T shot, then he puts the next one in the bunker, and that shot out of the bunker was, he had a two-shot lead, uh, was spectacular. I mean, that was in the dark, basically, and, you know, he doesn't make that shot to give himself a gimme to win the tournament, then we're looking at, you know, playoff the next day, which would have been great, too, but, you know, to me, it was just, what I liked the best was Rory just saying, you know, we're going to get this done tonight, And, uh, you know, basically playing in the dark to get it done. So I loved it. I know not everybody has loved it. Uh, Some people have thought he should have, you know, called it. Other people have thought, you know, he shouldn't have been allowed to, you know, play through. Because what that did was, of course, eliminated the possibility of Ricky Fowler and Mickelson making spectacular shots. Uh, perhaps a birdie, what have you, that would have put pressure on Rory's shots coming down the 18th. That, you know, there were since he was, in effect, playing with them or immediately behind them, he was relieved of some of that pressure. Uh, I would also make the same argument that, you know, the flip side of that is that he was playing and, you know, it was getting darker by the minute, so he was a few minutes behind them. Um, anyway it was unique it was different it spilled into prime time eight o'clock uh, eastern time still going on which led to the great ratings but it was about the great golf and you know i just thought it was spectacular uh so that was my highlight of the week and just as a postscript, uh tiger obviously didn't make the cut all this was done without tiger even uh suiting up that day shall we say and uh And now he is bowed out of the Ryder Cup. I think it's a good move, but uh, like him or dislike him, Tiger makes more golf more interesting, including the Ryder Cup. So uh, that's it. And Tom Watson doesn't have to make uh, that very, very difficult decision. So my low light of the week uh, was the death of Kevin Ward on the uh, racetrack up in. State of New York, uh, hit by a car driven by Tony Stewart. Uh, growing up in Western Pennsylvania, these types of tracks were in my area, so I've seen them, been to them. You know, this was a dirt track race, and uh, and you know, I, I've been to tracks a lot uh along those lines so let's just say it's not nascar and it's certainly not indy but that's neither here nor there it was just an unfortunate uh incident a a 20 year old man died on a racetrack that's just uh horrible and it's just been a horrible week uh in the aftermath and uh you know just sad sad story for everyone who's affected my bizarre story of the week was uh yesterday last night roger clemens was inducted into the red sox hall of fame which i had no idea was coming until it happened and it was just i was surprised there's no other way to say it roger clemens since his trial uh what have you has been keeping a pretty low profile and you know No secret, he and the Red Sox parted ways, uh, probably not on the best of terms. And Clemens went on to the second part of his career, shall we say. And of course, when he was a Red Sox, he was fabulous. I always remember 1986, 24 and 4. Awesome. (laughs) Let him into the World Series. Unfortunately, they didn't close the deal. But, you know, we all hear the debate about. Roger Clemens and others with the steroid stain, and will they or will they not go into the Hall of Fame? That's a completely separate, you know, situation. But, what? again, I was just surprised that he was suddenly, you know, being inducted into the Red Sox Hall of Fame along with Nomar Garcia-Pera and Pedro Martinez uh, and announcer Joe Castiglione. So, but it was, again, I was just... uh There didn't seem to be a lot of lead-up fanfare, or if there was, I missed it. So it was just uh, interesting to see Roger Clemens being inducted into any Baseball Hall of Fame, shall we say, Team Hall of Fame. So just found that uh, fascinating. And my event of the week that I attended were the races yesterday at Saratoga Raceway. I've been there before, but never with... uh, uh, a media credential, which allowed me into like the winner's circle, that type of thing. And it was just fabulous, as it always is. Saratoga is the oldest sporting venue in the United States, and it is a classic slice of Americana. Uh, I can't imagine anybody at any age having anything but a spectacular day or longer at Saratoga. It's, it's literally a Norman Rockwell painting. Um, the place is just so beautiful. Sarah, the town of Saratoga is spectacular in and of itself with its main street called Broadway just being, you know, uh, alive and jumping, shall we say. And, uh, but the racetrack itself, it has all types of like carousels. I mean, it kind of looks on the outside of it, like a a bit of a circus. And it's just, you just drive right through a residential neighborhood and all of a sudden you're just there at the main entrance. And it's massive. And, uh, again, just looks a little bit because of all the carousel tops and whatnot. has a a bit of a circus feel to that. And I mean that for, you know, for all the right reasons. And then, uh, but it feels like a festival. And it is just... Uh, as good a day as you can spend in American sports. There is no other way to say it. And then yesterday, the very first race of the day, which was 12.30 in the afternoon, it was something I've never seen before, which was it was a staple, steeplechase race where the horses jump over uh, hedges. Um, so, early in the race, a horse threw his rider, and uh Basically kept on running. It was just incredible to witness. Um, and this was went around the track a few times, so this was you know longer than just sort of once around the track like uh, like we're used to because they're jump again jumping over the hedges. and this horse just you know was jumping over the next few hedges which was amazing, a riderless horse, and he was in front. And then obviously disqualified without a rider, but it was like the crowd was fascinated by it, as was I. And then after jumping on its own over a few of the hedges, then it kind of cut to the inside where there was a a path, no more hedges to jump over, but still running around the track. So the horse ultimately ran around the entire time crossed the finish line first did not win again you can't win without a rider but it was just really quite the scene um you know and and a bit scary of course when he when he threw his rider pretty much right at the beginning of the race and this went on for a couple minutes i mean this was not you know uh something that was just over and done with in like you know under two minutes like a like a Typical horse race, and uh, just one of the more surreal, fascinating things I've seen. A little bit scary. You wonder what might happen to this horse, again, with no rider. Very often, when the jockey comes off the horse, I I think, you know, you'll see the horse pull up. Uh, Not this horse. This horse was in full sprint mode the entire race, many times around the track, and again, crossed the finish line first. So, it was really... uh, Uh, A heck of a way to start the day at Saratoga, which, again, uh, is just one of the coolest places ever. Uh, No other way to say it. It's just a tremendous take in American sports. Uh, Pretty much races only for about six weeks, kind of late July into August. Next week is the Travers, its most well-known race. So again, I was privileged to, uh, you know, be a part of it and just enjoy what was a beautiful day of weather at Saratoga. Nothing like it. Nothing like it. Just a wonderful, wonderful place and, uh, again, truly something special. So now, as my former co-host, Lemont Williams from Outside the Huddle likes to say, time to pay some bills. So let's take our break and we'll catch you on the other side after that.
3: Now, you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, Blackberry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, Blackberry App World, or Android Market.
0: Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play by play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel.
3: If you think you've seen online TV before...
1: It's time to let the ladies do some sports talking around here. The Sports Girls take over the Voice America Sports Channel every Monday for The Inside Score. Beth Silverberg, Chin Chin Ong, and Stacey DeBerry are here to showcase the athletes, the coaches, and the foundations that change lives. In addition, we'll have a ton of regular features and a featured guest sports girl every week. You'll hear the stories you need to hear from the people that make the difference. The Inside Score is heard every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern or Pacific on The
2: Segment two of All Around Sports, and I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at net. And big day here in New England because football gets underway tonight, uh... Patriots are hosting the Eagles. Tom Brady will be playing, I assume. He did not play uh, down against the Redskins last week, so uh, never take for granted a night when you can watch Tom Brady play, even if it is a preseason game. So to discuss that, we have our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. A.P., how are you doing? Pretty good, John. How are you today? I'm good. Thanks for calling in, as always, and uh, we was just saying that football officially gets underway here in New England tonight with the first preseason game for the Patriots, uh, and Tom Brady, I have every reason to believe, will be playing with uh, having sat out last week in the first preseason game down in Washington, but, you know, it's uh, good to have any type of football underway and uh, preseason games included. So, what have your thoughts been? There's all of a sudden been a lot of them. We, of course, had Johnny Manziel last week. Uh, I guess he moves the needle. What else can you say about the guy? He, I guess it was the highest rated preseason game ever on NFL Network. I DVR'd it, it was out at a movie. Couldn't wait to get home and, like, you know, watch every single play he ran. So that was fascinating.
4: Yeah, John, I don't think we can ever escape Johnny Manziel until until he's on the bench. I think people are going to be on the edge of their seat and waiting for every performance. And then when you get into the regular season, that quarterback that can be assigned to be the first string player for for Cleveland, I don't know if he's got a chance to make it past the first game for the, the cries for Johnny men's cell will ensue.
2: Yeah. Well, Brian Hoyer, I mean, obviously I have, uh, you know, good knowledge of him, uh, as Tom Brady's backup here for a number of years, uh, during which I was covering the Patriots. So, you know, I was always impressed with him. you know, very, uh, uh, workmanlike as Tom Brady backups often are witness, Matt castle. And, uh, and these days, Ryan Mallett, uh, but I was thrilled to see him, you know, return home. He grew up in Youngstown, Ohio, return home to Cleveland. And he had, and I know it sounds a little silly, but he, he was awesome. Uh, the first three games of last year, which were all victories before he got hurt. And uh, so, yeah, I, I like Brian Hoyer. And, you know, one of the weird things of this situation, shall we say, is that Brian Hoyer, you know, He's locked in this competition with the uh, with Johnny Manziel, Johnny Football, but Brian Hoyer's name is getting more well known in the last couple of weeks than it's ever been before, including when he won those three games at the beginning of last year. Yeah, that's a that's a blessing in disguise,
4: uh, you know, for him to have Johnny Manziel there. He can quietly go about his business, and all the attention will be on Johnny Manziel, and he's going to have a chance to start. I mean, he's... You know, the, the head coach you, you don't want to go into, the NFL, no matter who it is, with a rookie quarterback to start the first game. So, uh, Brian, he, he's having his opportunity and back in his home
2: state. Yeah, well, you know, we'll call it the Manzo effect, of which there are many, <laughs> yeah, right. uh, many branches to that tree, but, you know, one of them is very simple. Brian Hoyer has become, in effect, a household name, so to speak. Everybody knows his name, at least these days. Um and as I speak, right there, right, uh, right on the screen in front of me is ESPN, is of course highlights of Johnny Manziel and Brian Hoyer because the coach who had said at first I think that Manziel was going to start Monday is now not. Brian Hoyer is starting Monday, but it sounds like Manziel will get an equal number of snaps. I'm even going to jump ahead here and say I usually save it to the last segment, but my pick of the weekend for appointment viewing is not even the weekend, it's Monday night, you know, watching Johnny Manziel plays, because it sounds like whoever performs best will be the starting quarterback. So Monday night, you know, given the ratings record it's set for NFL Network, and now just the hype that's been going on this week is going to be potentially um, another record for preseason viewing, right? Oh yeah, I would assume it would be, and
4: and uh, people are going to be watching Johnny Manziel and the Browns all through the season. did just can't get enough of him. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's exciting for the league, and it, and it makes more money for all the other players when they have the, the high ratings. And so everyone should be cheering. Uh, all the other players should be cheering for Johnny Manziel. I wouldn't want to hurt him. I wouldn't, wouldn't want to be the person that, Put Johnny Manziel on, on the sideline for the rest of the season. So, all the players have, uh, they, they should, you know, of course try to sack him and get, you know, stop him from making no progress. But uh, he, it's to their benefit if he's on the field and people are, are, their eyes are all watching the Cleveland Browns.
2: And that's such a good observation, AP. I, I often, I, you know, I also think along those terms because, you know, um, what better example than Rider, than Tiger Woods, you know, bowing out of the Ryder Cup, which was the right decision, but, you know, any PGA player who might somehow be happy about that should look at their paycheck <laughs> because <laughs> right. t- Tiger lifted all of their uh, earnings uh, exponentially, to put it mildly, <laughs> And Johnny Manziel, I mean, yes, the league has to just be loving this again, you know. For him to, you know, again, break that NFL Network record in his first preseason game, just I'm sure that just was eye-popping down on Park Avenue as it was to me and everybody else. Like, wow, you know, that's a wow moment when you hear that, When you know, when you hear that. But again, you, you know. Yeah, when was been the last time that, I ever... coming that
4: coming to the NFL, uh, John? But for him to break that record, it, it's it is eye popping. It is uh, you know a, a worthy note in the in the uh, history of the NFL that he had that, the highest ratings were for Johnny Manziel. And all the players who stayed awake during math class should should be happy.
2: <laughs> you got that right. Yeah, I mean, just again, every NFL player. Benefits, not that they need it per se, but you know, benefits when something like ratings records happen. Uh, So yeah, Johnny Manziel, he's good for the league already, and you know, and again, I, I I just wasn't expecting it. That's why I I was, you know, it was a wow moment when I heard he broke the record. But you know, then again, I I was asking myself, when was the last time that you know, I DVR'd a preseason game? As soon as I got home, you know, the game was still going on, but it was 10 o'clock and I just, you know, didn't even look at what was going on. I went right to my DVR and just fast forwarded till I got to Manziel. All apologies to Brian Hoyer. (laughs) And that's it. And then I just literally, you know, 10 o'clock on a Saturday night, last Saturday night, and I'm just literally fast forward, you know, just watching only Manziel's plays. Which brings me to the next topic. I thought he played pretty well. I mean, you know, I, I, I as I've said often in this show, you can tell within five minutes on an NFL field if a guy's going to make it. And I think, you know, for quarterback, that's even heightened. Like, you just know it's the eye test. And I'm sure it's even bigger for coaches. I've often quipped, as you know, that, you know, what the NFL wouldn't give to be able to, you know, let, all these guys that they're going to pay a lot of money to play, you know, one quarter of one game. Because you know 90% of the time whether or not that guy can play in the league. And Manziel showed me in five minutes of play that, yes, he can play in this league. And, you know, there were questions, size, what have you. You never you never know until they're out there on an NFL field. No. And I think he passed his first test pretty easily.
4: Yeah, I think so too, John. I, I would say that the only concern that I have – is that he's not going to make running the football the emphasis of his of his contribution? Uh, I, you know, want to make sure that he's, he tend to stay in that pocket and only tries to elude the uh, defensive lineman run downfield as on a, as a, you know when he has to when it's when it's really a desperate situation. But you want to see how he's going to throw the ball, get it to the right receiver, and, on a timely basis. And you don't want to see him tear up his legs, you know, way rg3 did so that's that's my only concern
2: with johnny Manziel with the nfl correct and a great point i mean rg3 yeah you know he's bigger but not a big guy Manziel's just simply shorter than him but you know i grew up watching doug flutie at boston college you know and uh so I love quarterbacks like this. I truly believe that Manziel is the closest thing to Flutie. Uh, you know, and now we're talking 30 years uh, right. since Flutie played certainly in college. And, uh, you know, we all know what happened to his pro career. So I, I just, you know, you know it should have been so much more than it was uh, had the NFL sort of bought in. Right. Uh, so hopefully they'll buy in on Manziel and, and we'll get to see, you know, a, a full you know get to see him get given every opportunity that hopefully he can you know produce so it's gonna yeah, be great I think
4: so i think so john the owner loves them and right and uh i think he's going to get all kinds of chances down the road if if not in the first three four weeks and uh the, the fans in cleveland i mean they're they're uh, rabid, and and they're going to love his style of play and all the excitement he's going to bring to that team and generate for the city of Cleveland. And it, it, who knows what's going to happen? If are they going to be able to get enough talent around him to to contend through the years? That that'll be the that'll be the sad thing if they don't get enough talent around him to have him contend, and should, you'll get a chance to see him in a playoff
2: situation. Right. Well, they're still Cleveland, so you know. They they have a lot to prove, <laughs> to say yeah, the least. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, I'm already excited. Their opening game is against the Steelers in Pittsburgh. And, you know, I've often said, you know, greatest rivalry in the NFL, uh, right there with Bears-Packers, um, and, you know, one that I grew up with. And to me, you know, that's why I'm going to be rooting for him, because I want to see... To me, Manziel starting the first game of the year at Pittsburgh is spectacular, and I do see where I believe I saw this week that CBS has already assigned its number one broadcast team of uh, Jim Nance and Phil Simms to that game. So <laughs> you know what they're thinking. Oh my uh, goodness! Yeah, yeah they—they—they're
4: going to be in love with that number. I can tell you right now, them folks in New York would be dancing on sunday it's not you know it won't be saturday night but they'll doing that saturday night dance on a sunday i'll
2: tell you that it's perfect i i can't imagine a better pl- place for him to open his career if indeed he starts and or plays than pittsburgh i mean it's just so perfect that you, you know you talk about being thrown into the fire well you know it just doesn't get any better than that so i i am you, you know i Again, all apologies to Brian Hoyer, who I like, but I am all in to see Johnny Manziel. You know, open his NFL career in Pittsburgh on opening day. I mean, that'll just be, you know, you, you said it, record, record breaking, no question. Um, well, AP, hard to believe. As always, every time we talk about this kid Manziel, we blow through a segment, if not more. And segment one's over. We have a lot more to get to, and we'll talk about it on the other side after the break.
0: Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are going global with gas,
4: man. Is that Matt, the intern? That's here. Look, I made this show, dude. You totally made it, man. you were doing the Big Brother tryout today. All right, all right, all right, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go ahead, Matt. All
3: right, let's come on. Let's play Drug Code.
4: Where'd you learn that, Cheech? <whistles> drug School. Are uh, we gonna play some porn music or not? And this is the game that we play. That you're gonna hear some music, and it's either from a porn or it's not. Live every Saturday at 1 p.m. Pacific time on the VoiceAmerica.com variety channel. Going global with gas. Man, how the hell do they know they like that I got cash?
0: Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN.
2: Three four six nine one four four, or you can email me at iir at comcast dot net. Still on the line with us is our weekly and expert AP Stedham of Bama Magazine and AP. We were talking a little preseason and Johnny Manziel and just sticking with preseason. Blake Bortles had another nice game last night and there's a guy again. Five minutes after I saw him run a few plays, I said, "Oh, he's." he's that, there's an NFL quarterback for you. So he is just ripping it up here in his first two preseason games. You know, John, when you watched him play
4: in college, I mean, he led Central Florida to the mountaintop. Yep. I, I mean, to, to win that Fiesta Bowl against a Big 12 championship. I mean, no matter what Central Florida does down the road, he'll always be that one player who solidified them as a national team. I mean to play on you know against a, a powerhouse team from the Big 12 and, and win the game in in a BCS bowl I mean he'll be legendary in that program forever and he's a guy you can win some some playoff playoff games with I believe he's a big strong guy talented can move around and I I always liked him as soon as I saw him play with Central Florida
2: Yes he looks like an NFL quarterback. He's right out of central casting. He truly is. Yeah. You know, big guy. And, you know, for me, as we've often discussed, I grew up uh, near Penn State. So he got my attention the day he went into Beaver Stadium this past year, his senior year. Right. Central yeah. Florida beat Penn State. And that that was, for me, the wow moment where I said, whoa, you know, who, yeah. who who's this guy and who's this team? And, you know, it just got better and better from there. We'll also remember he... Through that game-winning touchdown in the back of the end zone at the buzzer of one game. So that became probably one of the top five plays of the year in college football last year. I forget who that was again. Maybe Louisville or Cincinnati. But Yeah,
4: yeah I think I think it was Louisville,
2: John. Yeah, whomever. It was spectacular. It was, yeah. you know, uh, a, a <laughs> highlight for the whole year that we'll all remember. So, uh, And then you throw in the bowl game and... Boy, you know, I mean, when the Jaguars made him the, I believe, number three pick of the overall draft, I mean, I liked it the minute I heard it. And, you know, and, boy, it looks to be paying on him. By the way, he's a Florida Orlando native. So, you know, I mean, he he, he stayed home. He's playing home. He th- This guy could be big.
4: Oh, I, th- I think so, too. He'd be around for a long time and make a, a coach look very good. And, like you say, the extra added bonus, he's a Florida native, right there in Central Florida, so he'll have all those fans supporting him, and Jacksonville needs people to be in those stands they are looking to uh, increase their attendance. So they they couldn't have made a better selection, I don't believe. And like you say, he's out of Central Casting with that height and that size and the big, strong arm and ability. So, I mean, Jacksonville did something totally correct.
2: Totally correct. Good way of saying it, because I, you know, for the past number of years, I could never figure out why they didn't take... Tim Tebow, who's from literally Jacksonville, St. Augustine, right down the road. Yes. And here they are, you know, putting tarps over half their seats. It seemed, and you know, obviously not a good team. And I'm like, I just couldn't figure it out. I mean, you know, Tebow would literally have filled the seats and driven interest in that team so far beyond what it's been. But you know, for whatever reason, didn't happen. Still haven't figured out why, but. They got it right this time it looks like uh you know with a, with another Florida boy so you know good for them i hope uh, I, again i like Blake Portals. i think everybody does you know what's not to like right oh p-
4: perfect nfl size and and ability and uh, right from from the area so no it's it's excellent excellent move by the jaguars and they've had they struggled through the last bunch of years
2: Boy, they sure have. You know, they really have. And, uh, yeah, so that that's going to be fun. And tonight, of course, uh, Tom Brady gets it going over, over nearby Foxborough. And, uh, you know, against the Eagles, uh, you know, one of the more interesting teams in the league with uh, Chip Kelly, of course, and uh, LaShawn McCoy at the running back, and, of course, Nick Foles. I mean, what a year last year. I think he – not mistaken the statistics were something like 16 touchdowns 3 interceptions a lot whatever an incredible ratio so he's someone that I'm really anxious to see you know uh how he's going to perform in his second year sometimes these guys can come off the bench as he did for Michael Vick and just Kind of surprise everybody, so to speak. It's almost like the first time around, you know, the batting order for a new pitcher. Right, right. Where they yeah, figure him true. out. And I, I'm just wondering, like, I like Nick Foles. I'm just wondering. I need to see him in year two.
4: Yeah, you want to see him go through the schedule again, one more time, and see if it wasn't a fluke, and have that sophomore jinx. And, uh, you know, but Chip Kelly has a plan. You know, he's a strong-willed coach, and, uh, and Nick's going to get every chance to, prove everyone wrong, that,
2: uh, he's a good NFL quarterback in his second year. Absolutely. Um, well, again, week two of NFL preseason should be fun, culminating Monday night with uh, the Browns at Redskins, and Manziel and Hoyer are apparently going to settle it as to who's going to be the opening day starter. The coach has said, Mike Patton, that he wants his starter name before the third game of the preseason. So obviously this is the second game. So that's going to be fun to watch and uh, should be a nice, again, you know, cap off to the weekend. Uh, So now we move to the college game. And I I know I wanted to ask you about uh, SEC Network debuted yesterday. I'll speak for myself. I was searching for it. It literally went live at 6 p.m. last night. I was searching everywhere for it and couldn't get it. Uh, I'm a Comcast Xfinity customer, and I was watching. I was actually on the road and was trying to get it through Watch ESPN, and which I can get on my phone, but couldn't get it. Uh, you know, couldn't get the SEC network. Just saying, you know, provider doesn't offer. So I don't know what's going on. I haven't had a chance to call. But how about you? I you you were. Mr. SEC covering Alabama, uh, are you getting it in Connecticut? Uh, we're, we're about seven days from that, John, to say the truth, but I
4: uh, I heard it was one of the most successful launches in, in cable history. So, to run, I mean, I wouldn't see why it wouldn't be because it's right before football when everything's going on. They visited all the campuses, I believe. They had a, a lineup of coaches and, of not only the of the football coaches, but some of the other sports too, basketball. So, uh, I, I know that the people from Disney were sure, certainly happy, and and they had quite a few individuals on the on the network. You know, Brent Musburger was on there, and Brent Musburger, and so I, I think it's going to be wildly successful. And I think the biggest thing with the SEC Network was the fact that you know the Big Ten was launched years ago, and they could. Watch some of the mistakes they might have made, and as far as the distribution, so they they made sure they had these deals with all these companies around the country comcast direct t v and uh charter and a, a number of them so that was one thing was in their favor you know you you can't change opening night, John once it's done, that's it. You can only make that first impression one time, so they were all prepared they They did a great job of of uh, making sure the distribution was across the United States. And even though in some places, like I said, seven days later, but the word has already spread that the, it was a highly successful uh, opening for, for that the cable network.
2: I'm sure it was. And you, you just nailed it, AP, because I was, you know, not happy because you said it perfectly. I mean, how often... You get to watch literally the first few minutes, the opening moment, as we, as we, as you might say, to you know, to a brand new network, a sports one at that. And I mean, I was looking forward to you know watching the 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 first moments ever of the new SEC network. And when I couldn't get it, I was not happy. I, I got to tell you, at all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and I'm sure you weren't either.
4: No, no, I had called the cable company. I asked them and said, well so you I said, can you tell me the channel? They couldn't tell me the channel either, so I couldn't even try to search around to see if it was up there uh they won't, they didn't get that information in advance, but you can bet your bottom dollar a lot of people um you know on the twenty first would be looking to watch the f c c network you, you know they they uh raised the uh, the uh expectation level
2: absolutely um well, it's going to be great. I mean, we're all going to get it. You'll have it next week. I, I'm expecting that you know, I'll have it shortly. Uh, you just said a per. I mean, they they seem to have a deal in place with Comcast Xfinity. I just don't know why it's. I'm not getting it on my TV, but I, I will find the time and check into it. And uh, but you know, uh, the opportunity to see the first couple minutes passed, so I was not pleased about that. But oh well. There'll be plenty of football to watch, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll get over it. <laughs> right, yeah. And uh,
4: those first bunch of games, you can always look back and say, I watched the first uh, first uh, telecast on the SEC network, first college football game, and I'm sure they'll have
2: a huge audience. No question. No question. Well, we referenced Tebow earlier. He'll, he's one of the announcers. I think he'll be good. And, uh yeah. There's going to be, you know, it's a great league, and they're going to have great broadcasting talent as well. So it's going to be fun. It's a game changer.
4: I, I think so. I, it'll change that SEC forever. It's I don't totally. know if people get SEC fatigue, but John, I don't know how you can when they play such excellent football.
1: Absolutely, they have I mean, other
4: sports that you know, Kentucky basketball. will watch that as well. Uh, so I don't see how you can be
2: bored watch, watching excellence. You can, right? It's gonna, you know, change the way we channel surf on Saturday afternoons. Just, <laughs> that will become, well, let's just say, one of the first channels I surf to. Like, you know, that, that'll become a weekly thing. Who, who the, is the SEC showing this week? Oh, oh yeah, that'll be on everybody's mind. It means they'll be clamoring to
4: find out what game will be on that network you know they want they'll want the, the schedule a couple weeks in advance they, they won't even want to wait till that like six-day window sometimes they have these six-day windows They'll want to have that 14-day window sewn up so they can know when to watch the game and what time it might be and and make sure they're going to see their team play or another team that they're interested interested in following
2: absolutely um well, AP, hard to believe it's, we've come to the end of our third segment, so let's take our last break and uh, still have a few more interesting things to cover on the other side.
0: Your internet flagship station for sports... Sports.
1: are listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show.
2: Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I am your host, John Inglesby. And back on the line with us is A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And, A.P., we were just talking some college football at the end of the last segment. But uh, as we know this year, there's the new college football playoff system. We're all excited about that. It'll be a season like no other. And it sounds like uh, the college football playoff organization, which has been forming over the past year plus or so, uh, met this week and had some interesting uh you know, interesting happenings at their conference. Yeah, John.
4: they, they met. this is the um, the uh, final preseason meeting of the selection committee, and they had a, a press release stating some of their the protocols involved and what their mission would be. and the, the ones that I'm looking at closely, of course, are the principles that they will apply to selecting the four teams. And, you know, the number one thing probably is that strength of schedule. They're going to look at that and, of course, head-to-head competition. And then uh, there's also comparative outcomes of common opponents, which I don't like that one as much, John, because sometimes you get coaches who have a tendency, they'll run up that score where other coaches, they might kneel on the 10-yard line with a chance to, Score an extra touchdown. So, uh, you know, they, they made a notation there. It's, you know, it said without incenting margin of victory. So that, that's a good thing. But one of the other things, uh, I wonder how they're going to apply this particular uh, principle is, is the conference championships won. Um, I wonder if, you know, you get a, a one loss team. That you think is is a, a very strong team, but another team with one loss won the conference champion. Uh, uh, will that conference championship in itself trump a one loss team that didn't win their conference championship? And to me, the, I don't know. I, I I just think that the conference championship. I'm I'm not going to wait so much. You know, put so much weight with that. Um, you know, that accomplishment because I'm just going to look at it like basketball. You know, who you played, who did you beat, and where did you play them, and how well did you do? Uh, I just think that's so what it is. that you sums it up.
2: It. Nicely said. You know, that, that's what I feel about it. Yeah, it does get complicated, doesn't it, when you really think about that. And, you know, college football fans being college football fans, uh, y you, you know, just analyze and dissect every possible scenario of which there are countless scenarios and you know john like the big 12 they don't have a conference championship
4: right game
2: didn't they they used to right out in St. Yeah, Angeles, they,
4: they sure did they had it for quite a while i think the first one was 96 and that's a if great i remember one, that's sir. when james brown ran that little fourth down pass play uh, for Texas against Nebraska, and he hit the tight end. He ran down to about the 10, 12-yard line, and then they scored a touchdown next play. That was kind of a memorable moment, moment in Texas football history. It was in St. Louis.
2: That game was played in St. Louis. but Famous but, games. They played some, I think, in Kansas City. I remember once Texas was upset, huge right, upset.
4: Right. Yeah, right, right, because I remember some of those games were cold outside in Kansas City.
2: Right, right. And I The game I always remember, Big 12 championship game, was... When Indomitian Sue Sioux for Nebraska had like, whatever, seven sacks in a game or something <laughs> yeah. crazy. Um, anyway, what are, uh, do you know? What happened to that? Did they just say enough is it. They just stopped it.
4: I, I didn't quite hear you, John.
2: Oh, whatever happened to the Big Twelve championship? Yeah, you game? know, usually the, once the they start, like, them, they I keep... think we're not
4: in favor of that championship because what, uh, a couple of times, and I don't know how many exactly, but they were upset. Right, the, the 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 favorite was upset, and they lost their opportunity to play in the BCS championship game.
2: Exactly. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, And I think I some you. of those
4: coaches were not satisfied with winning all those games on the road, at home during the regular season, and then you have to gamble in that neutral side game, and and the, so they that, they had a different philosophy in other conferences, whereas the SEC, it's actually launched them into the championship game by playing in that SEC uh, title game.
2: Exactly, yeah. You can make a strong uh, case either way.
4: You know, opposing philosophies that you can recover if you have that game against a top opponent in your own conference championship game.
2: Correct. Correct. Uh, Well, I don't think we need to look back any further than Michigan State Beating Ohio State in the Big Ten Conference Championship game out in Indianapolis last year that ruined Ohio State's two year, repeat two year I think twenty four game winning streak, and you know I mean Ohio this this was a done deal. Ohio State was going the you know it's going to the national championship game. of yeah, course. All, yeah, that's right. I to mean, be Ohio State and Alabama, obviously.
4: Yeah, I mean John, you're you're exactly correct. The Big Ten people they they were mortified that that was the outcome because it's they were going to get a chance to dethrone uh, the SEC and bingo it, exactly. It, was, it wasn't the Big Ten; it was ended up being the ACC. You know, so it, it, well actually, they would have replaced the SEC as being the team in the game. You know, Auburn got in there because of Ohio State lost, and of course, Florida bingo. State was undefeated yep. and number it. one. So uh, it really went bad for
2: them. Yes, it did. Really went bad for them. Uh, perfectly said. Well, again, you know, it's going to be interesting. Choosing those final four is going to be really, really difficult. It will generate. I mean, we think we have, you know, controversy with teams on the bubble left out of the field of 64 for the NCAA basketball tournament. This will be off the charts. But, it, it you know, we're all ready to have, you know, a genuine national championship game. And I'm sure that's what it's going to produce.
4: Yeah, I think so, John. I think people have weighed... I mean, I, I was researching some information one day, and I was looking back, and I think it was maybe around 1970, and there was a little story in the paper that said, and there will be no college football championship next year because, you know, it was, it was being talked about for, for decades now. And, right. And, and now it, now it's uh, come to fruition with this, this playoff. You know, four teams, you know... Uh, You know, it's not eight. Some people want the eight, but uh, four is fine for me at the moment.
2: I agree. Well, good points, AP, and uh, hard to believe our show has come to an end quickly yet again. So thank you for calling in and for your great observations as always, AP. Thank you very much, John. It's always my pleasure. All right, and as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports. We look forward to doing it again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern time.